Dug down deep in my flesh They keep me bound They keep me bound Wrist and chains Dug in my skin And these shackles on my Bear my soul Cause it's all I know And here I am They took everything And no, I can't escape To the light of day Without your hand Without your grace won't you break my chains? Oh my God, won't you break my chains? Won't you break my chains? Set me free, oh sweet Lord, won't you set me free? Won't you set me free? And I bear my soul Cause it's all I know And here I am They took everything And no, I can't escape To the light of day Without your hand Without your grace won't you break my chains oh my god won't you break my chains won't you break my chains set me free oh sweet lord won't you set me so much for listening guys appreciate that um i know i'm, I'm well aware that, that that's a weird topic to talk about in, ch in church and really anywhere actually but um but it's a very real thing and if you think you you shouldn't talk about it because uh, um because it's kind of a it should stay quiet the only thing the only way secrets stay secrets is if you keep them the only way things stay in the dark is if you don't shed the light on them 
So, uh, God broke my chains of addiction by admission of failure <laughs> and confession and repentance. And I pray that um, you can break free with those or you can help somebody break free with those or you can break the stigma uh, in, in our church and in our nation about it. And um, yeah, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Troy, cut down the last knob to the left. Just cut it down all the way. Guys, I, I enjoyed it so much. and um, Y'all may not have noticed it, and y'all may not pick up on things of this nature, but he was in his uh, prayer um, after worship. He made a statement along the lines of God desired to crush his son for our name's sake. Um, and I, I so... It fathoms me. It causes me without words to think about that God loves us so much that um, he, he desired to kill his own son for our namesake. Because so, that's what it would have taken for us to come to him, for us to be reconciled with him. And um, Now, obviously, he does it for his glory and his good, and he does it for the good of all those who love him. But when you really think about what that means, I don't have kids, um, but a lot of you do, uh, young and old and um, older and all of that. And to think about what that really means is think about you desiring to lay down your son's or daughter's life for the namesake of humanity. It'd be hard to do. Um, I, I think it would actually be impossible for most of us, if not all of us, to do so. So I'm thankful this morning of what God has done in sacrificing Christ for us so that we can be reconciled with Him. I've enjoyed the music this morning. I enjoy it every week. I enjoy, Troy does a fantastic job, um, but I really enjoyed y'all coming. I appreciate y'all um, reaching out to me and, and being willing to come to our church. Um, but this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that I just find so fitting for a morning like this, and it's a topic of worship. Um, because, um, as I said, we had a guest band come in and so if you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 we're going to look at verses 16 and 17 um, Colossians 3 16 through 17 um, but this this topic of worship the reason why we're addressing it it's not because there's a guest band here or or anything of that nature but it's because that's what's next in scripture um, but as I was thinking about the idea of of worship uh, one way my mind works at times is I like to look at quotes. I don't know if you like quotes, but I like quotes. Uh, and there's a pastor that was in the 1800s, um, I say 1800s, I think that's when he was, uh, named Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon is one of uh, a guy I love to read his sermons, I love to read his quotes and books. And uh, he says this about worship. He says, All places are places of worship to a Christian. Wherever he is, he ought to be a worshiping uh, form of mind. So this idea of worship is this idea of more than just what we've done this morning. And we're going to look at two sides of worship. Uh, we're going to look at corporate worship and we're going to look at uh, individual worship in our lives. And what I mean by corporate worship, I mean exactly what we've done this morning. It's coming together as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, in worshiping God. 
And then the idea of individual worship is what we do when we leave here. It's how we live our lives. And we're going to look at these things. Um, but I wanted to define worship in this way. It's worship is a scribing of worth, excellence, majesty to our Creator. Worship is simply declaring that God is worthy, He is excellent, and He is majesty. That God is worth it all, and so we worship Him. But when we think of worship, what do we think of most of the time? Does anybody want to be bold and tell me? Huh? Chris Tomlin? That's uh, For you older folks, maybe Bill Gaither? Um, uh, but we think, of, we think of songs, right? We think of singing. We think of that is worship. Um, but worship is so much more than that. Worship is, as we're going to look at later on, and worship is how we live our lives, but also in a corporate worship, in a gathering of believers, there's this thing called the regulative principle. Um, and that may be, I may have lost some of you with that terminology there, but it's this idea that when we worship in the body, with a body of believers, we worship with things that are, are prescripted and prescribed by Scripture. Um, and there's a list of them, and I want to name them, and then we're going to talk about one of them this morning. It's the reading of Scripture. We worship when we read God's Word out loud in a church service. We worship uh, as we are preaching the Word of God. We worship as we hear the Word of God. Then we worship while we sing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's what we're going to look at in Colossians 3.16. But we also worship when we are, uh, participate in baptism. We worship when we participate in the Lord's Supper. And then you also worship when you collect the collection of offerings. All of these things go under a list of how we worship in the church as a body of believers. Um, but this morning, the one we're going to focus on, because this is what we find in our next scripture, is the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, and I want to go ahead and tell you before I get there, when we think of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what I have learned this past week is that it's not what we think it is. It is not what we think it is at all. Uh, and so I'm excited about being able to preach this. But also when we look at the individual worship, um, it is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice by living in such a way that in everything we do, by the way we talk or the, the way we act, is done in the name of Christ. We worship God through our words and our actions in everyday life as well. So if you haven't turned with me already, turn to Colossians 3, 16 through 17. Uh, and we're going to look at worship this morning. It's plain and simple. But I want to pray real quick, and then we'll jump into the Scripture itself. Dear Heavenly Father, we love You. We praise You. We glorify You, God. I thank You this morning for the change that You have broken in each and every one of our lives, God. But I pray that if any of us are or, or like Paul in Romans 7, God, and we... Scream out, God, I, I do the things I just don't want to do. I, I, I'm still stuck in the sin in some way or fashion, God. I pray that you begin to break those chains as we continue to grow in you, God. And God, I pray this morning as we look at worship, God, we remove the stigma that worship is just what we do on Sunday morning. And worship is only when, when there's certain types of songs being played, God, and when we're singing, God. Because worship is something that we do in every area of the church's life, but also in every area of our own lives, God. And this morning, I pray that as we are listening to the preaching of your word, God, we respond as you feel fit, God. We love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you with all that we are. In your son's perfect and holy name, amen. 
Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says this. Okay, yeah, he did find it. It says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So as we look at it, I wanted to start in verse 16 because that's just the natural place to start. Uh, But in the beginning of 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. It's this idea of letting the Word of God dwell among you. And it's, it's really a twofold to the same coin. The first aspect is the Gospel. Letting the Gospel dwell among you because that is what binds us together. As when we looked at verse 11 in chapter 3, talking about how uh, in Christ we are all and in all. It's just like it's saying in... Um, uh, there's power in the blood. There's a line in that that says there's, we are all in, all in Christ. So the first thing that has to happen is that we have to dwell richly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to be the reminder of our lives. Everything we do has to be based on the gospel and living in such a way that's going to bring God glory, honor, and praise. To the point of in some churches... Um, not all churches, but in some churches, when they pick out songs in the worship service, they actually pick it out in such a way that they present the gospel through music in the beginning of worship. That in the first part, they declare how amazing and mighty God is. And in the second song or in a scriptural reading, they talk about how we are sinful and broken, have been separated from the Father, and then that we've been redeemed through Christ Jesus and how we can respond to Him. See, the, the gospel has to be the center of everything that we do, not only in our lives, but in the church as well. And then he talks about the word of Christ. And what's so significant to me about this is when you read John chapter 1 and John 1, 14, it says this, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is the picture of Jesus that we see is that he is the word of God to the point that even in the beginning of times, it says that God created all things through Christ Jesus. So we have to be dwell. We have to dwell richly in the word of God as well, that we we make God's word a priority in our lives and that we allow God's word to shape everything that we do from our worship, through the reading of Scripture, to all of the things I've talked about this morning, but also when I think of all of the events that we have coming up as a church, which is kind of uncommon for us at times, you know, all of that has to be grounded in the Word of God for the purpose of glorifying God and worshiping God. But it goes a little farther than that, that God's Word it has to do something in the lives of the believers of the church. And he goes on, he says, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Is that all wisdom, you think about this idea of wisdom in James, it tells us that all, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And that heavenly wisdom is from above. And so this idea of in all wisdom is godly wisdom. It's not the wisdom that you gain through living on this earth or going through difficulties or hard times. It's wisdom that comes from above. It's wisdoms that, wisdom that comes from the Word of God. And so in all wisdom, in the Word of God, what we are to do is to teach and to admonish one another. 
This idea of teaching is pretty simple. We know that idea pretty regular because you go to school from kindergarten to graduating high school and then some go after that, some choose not to. Teaching is a common thing, though, right? We, we teach people how to follow after Christ in such a way that glorifies Christ. We teach him as Matthew 28, verse 19 says, teach them the commandments of Christ. When we teach someone, we're teaching them how to follow after Christ, but in such a way that they understand that they can't do it by themselves. That they, they may have spiritual disciplines, they may be in the Word of God, they may have prayer, they may have all of those things, but they also have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to grow in these understandings. And then the idea of admonishing isn't a word we use much today. I don't come home and say, Sarah, I admonish some people today after Sunday morning service or after Wednesday night. I don't say, well, I admonish people through the Word of God. This isn't a common word for us, but really it just means to instruct or to guide or to encourage. It's this idea of instructing through the Word of God, to guide someone through the Word of God, to teach them the Word of God by guiding them through it, by helping them through it. I think of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. Not Philip, but... um, well, my mind went blank. Uh, but the Ethiopian eunuch, am I? No. Uh, he goes, it's, it's Acts chapter 9, I believe. He goes, and this Ethiopian eunuch is sitting on his carriage and he's reading Isaiah. He's actually reading Isaiah 53, where it says, We were healed by his stripes. And he's reading this, and, and the guy asks him, He says, Look, do you, understand what you, un, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, How am I to understand unless someone teaches me? See, we're called to guide people through Scripture. But I want to pause right now, and I want to look at this verse 16 again. I want to look at the flow of this. He says, Let the Word of Christ dwell dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. But if you're following with me on the screen or in your Bible, you see that there's not a period after that. There's not a comma. There's nothing. It says through what? Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That we're called to do this directly through the songs that we sing in a church service. That the, the purpose of our songs is to worship God ultimately, but also to teach and to admonish one another. And this is so important and this is so crucial when we're looking at the way that we break down and we do a worship service. Uh, me and Troy try hard at this, and I, I will take the blame. We may not do best at this at times, but when we pick out songs in a worship service, the thing that has to motivate the songs that we choose to sing as a body of believers has to be the Word of God, nothing else. It can't be all for preference or for a desire. It can't be all for these are my favorite songs. It can't be all for anything else, but the Word of God is backed up in those songs. Many of you may be thinking, well, isn't all Christian songs biblical? Not necessarily. There's plenty of them that aren't. And so when we pick out songs, they have to be based on biblical teaching so that they can teach and to admonish us, so they can develop us and to be followers after Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But so, but what we see in this is three different breakdowns of types of songs he gives. He says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So when we think of this, we may have already made a conclusion in our mind what these three things are. Because when we think of hymns, what do we think of? Y'all think of that brown book or red book that you read, right? 
in, in other churches because we don't have hymnals out here. Uh, or we think of uh, I'll Fly Away or Jesus Paid It All. We, when we think of hymns, we think of songs that we know that are hymnal style. Um, but we're going to look at something very interesting about hymns in just a second. But first off, he says to sing through psalms. P-S-A-L-M-S. And psalms is this idea, and it's pretty simple. Uh, when you think of psalms, what do you think of? The book. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. That when we sing in churches, when we praise God, that we should do it. Uh, one of these categories is singing psalms. Singing Scripture is the way, because when, when you look at the 145, I believe it is, these songs were written to the accompaniment of instruments, of stringed instruments most of the times. And so these, these, uh, each of these things were written for the purpose of being sung to the Father, to God Himself. And so the first thing Paul says is to sing songs. Um, that's not something we see very common in church life today and especially in the Baptist faith, but uh, we do see songs inspired by these. Um, and if you're just very curious of how that would work, I would encourage you to look up Shane and Shane, Psalms 1, 2, and 3. They have two albums. It's about 45 songs, and they just sing the book of Psalms. They sing different books of Psalms. So I'd encourage you to look at that. The next thing he talks about is hymns. Now, this is something that I did not know before I was studying this this week, and I'll be honest with you about that. But hymns, historically, in Paul's time, was a pagan practice. It was something that the pagans did, something that the Gentiles and the Roman empires would do, that the Greeks would do. And what they would do is they would write these hymns to, uh, they would write these hymns to false gods and to heroes of their day. So they would write these songs about the false gods of the Greek or of the Roman. And so they wrote these songs about these people. And what was really weird about it is that Paul was saying, look, I want you to take it. I want you to, I want you to sing hymns. So what does that really translate to us, though? Like, do we need to take and to write about pagan gods and things of that nature? By no means. But really what he's talking about here is taking what attracts the culture to some extent taking the, the, the art of the culture and twisting it and making it to be something that glorifies God. Because if you think about it, think about the songs they sang this morning and the style they sang. In 20 years, that's probably not going to be the style. Now, in 60 years, it might make a turnaround um, and it might come back around. But in 20 years, this style won't be the style, right? And you think about hymns that we sing in the churches today, if we're going to be really honest, they're about 30 or 40 years old in style. And so we get caught up in a style rather than the idea of what God is calling us to do. And so in, the, in here, hymns, Paul was saying, like, sing some things and sing in such a way that it's going to reach the culture around you. Um, and then he goes on, he says, spiritual songs. Um, this is something that I didn't completely understand uh, as well until I started studying and looking into it. But spiritual songs, it's something different than the other two. It's something that is, it, it's, it's more for edifying the church than it is for worshiping God. I think about this, um, this second song that, I mean, the, the song that he sang afterwards, uh, Chains. You know, that song is an amazing song. I love it. I've listened to it a few times this week. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I love that song, and he does a good job 
in my opinion, better live than on the album. But um, you can see the passion on his face whenever he talks about what God has brought him through. But that song there, that's not a song you're going to sing as your third song on a Sunday morning service, right? It's not a song of worship, but it's a song that reminds us of the chains that God has broken in our life. And because of that song, we can glorify him even more. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying there's some songs that we're going to sing that are, they may not be worship songs, but they're edifying songs. They remind us of what God has done in the life of his people. Um, you think about, uh, there's a lot of songs, actually, if you think about it, but I won't use any more examples. But really what it all boils down to is this last part of verse 16. He says, singing to God with, gra- with gratitude in your heart. No matter what we do, no matter if it's uh, older style, newer style, no matter what it is, as long as it's based on Scripture and their biblical songs, then this is the last thing we must do. We must sing from a grateful heart. We sing because God has saved us. We sing to glorify God and to thank God because He has provided salvation for us. It's like the song, Jesus paid it all. Christ paid it all for us. To Him we owe no more debt, right? Because of who Christ is, we can now have salvation. And because of that, we praise God. Because of that, we sing praises to Him. We glorify Him. We make sure the things that we do in a church is based around His Word. Um, If I went to the Bank of Vernon, or wherever your bank may be, and I paid off your mortgage payment tomorrow, and you knew I did it. I don't know how I would do it, but just imagine it with me. Um, if I did that, would you thank me? Because you paid that debt off, right? They're about to buy a trailer. They're like, yeah, I'd thank you. I'll buy, I'll buy your meal every week. Uh, but you think about it, we would, right? We would thank somebody. We, we would, if somebody asked us, so, what do you think about so-and-so? Well, we're about, man, you would praise him, right? You would say, man, that's a good man. He, he, he helps me out. He, he took care of me. And you may not go into detail, but it's the same thing in our relationship with the Father. He's paid all of our debt. He's did something that we could not do because we're sinful, fallen, and broken, and we cannot save ourselves. And because of that, we glorify and praise God and sing to him in a grateful heart. And so I say that to say it doesn't matter what we're singing. It doesn't matter how we're singing it. If your preference is contemporary and we're singing a, a song that's older and you've never heard that song before, sing it with a grateful heart. Listen to the words. Let it edify and teach you in that moment. And vice versa. If we're singing a newer song, you don't know what it is, and you, you like older hymns, then, then thank God for it. Let it edify you. Let it teach you. Let it guide you. And sing it gratefully because as long as it's bringing glory to God, it doesn't matter outside of that. So what we see in verse 16 is Scripture is clear that we are to worship through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is even more clear about it is that the gospel and the word of God must shape the words we sing because the songs are meant to teach and admonish the people of the church and we must sing it with a, gra- a grateful heart. Then verse 17, I'll try to spend a little less time in it. But verse 17 says this, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I want to go ahead and read Romans 12, 1. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in, it, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present yourself as bodies of a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. 
This is the reality, guys. I want us to make the connection between the two. We really can't worship God core, uh, together as a body of believers if we're not worshiping God through verse 17. If we're not doing it throughout the week, when we come in here and we sing a song to God, we're not doing it out of a grateful heart. We must be putting this to practice in our everyday life as well. So he goes on, he says, whatever you do, and that's a simple term, that's simple as it is, whatever you do in life, whatever it may be, but he goes on, he gives us two details. He says, in word and in deed. And in word and in deed, and this is two of the biggest aspects of our life, because you're either going to say something or you're going to do something. I don't think there's any other way you can live your life. You're either going to say it or you're going to do it. And so what he says here, first and foremost, is that whatever you do in your word, whatever you say, if it be how you talk at work, if it be how you communicate with your family, it could be how you uh, talk when you're in traffic. They're from Nashville, so I don't want them to act like they don't deal with this. Um, whenever you, whatever you say, however you may say it, whatever it may be in your life, you have to do it in such a way that it's going to bring glory to God. Now, I want to I remove some burden in that. It's that you're not going to be perfect, but our desire is to be transformed by Christ, right? To, to be transformed through the Word of God, to be taught and to admonish, to grow out of some of our wicked ways, and so that our words become more glorifying and, and praiseworthy to God. James puts it that like this. He says, does the salt water come from the fresh? Or vice versa, I'm not sure how he said it. Uh, talking about fresh water doesn't come from the ocean, right? Unless something is just really wrong, there's not salt water in, in your river, right? And so what James's point is, is that, you know, when we glorify God with our mouth, when we can't turn around and cuss our brother. We can't turn around and speak evil. We can't turn around and do that. We have to glorify God with that. And word is something so important in our lives. It was so important that God created everything by speaking. Then the second thing he says, indeed. Everything we do in our deed must be glorifying to God. Um, I don't know if you ever think about this term, but have you ever thought about what it means for everything? Everything you do? That means every little thing you do in your life, indeed, should be praising God, should be bringing glory to Him, bringing praise and honor to Christ Jesus. But then he goes on, he says, In everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That we should do it in a way that's going to bring honor to Christ. That's going to share the gospel to the people around us. How many of you have desired to share the gospel with somebody, but you couldn't because you know what you just said or did in front of them? Been there, done that. How many of you have found yourself in a similar situation to where you've, you've done something of that nature? Man, admit you did wrong. Tell them how it is. Tell them that you're a, a, a sinner saved by grace of God and that God is working on you and you're not working on yourself. You're allowing God to change you. Share the gospel. Everything you do should be done in the name of Christ. It should be praising God through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on. says, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Just like when we ended in verse 16. He says, singing to God with a grateful in your hearts, gratitude in your hearts. He ends verse 17. He says, and uh, giving thanks to God through Him. 
We ought to thank God the way we live. And what I want us to be clear about is that we, we do the things we do. We praise Jesus through the ways we praise Him. We glorify God through our lives. We, we live in such a way to glorify God, not because of it saves us, not because it brings us any merit or anything like that, but we do it because God has already saved us. It's an outflow of salvation, not what causes salvation. And so I want to pull back to what I talked about when I opened up this morning. Is that God felt the desire and the need to put His own Son on the cross for our name's sake. To do something that you wouldn't do, to do something that I wouldn't do naturally, you just you couldn't give up your son or your daughter for somebody that you knew would sin against you and to hurt you and do wrong against you. Uh, and this is something we've talked a lot about in this church. We we just wouldn't do that, right? We couldn't give up our son or our daughter for somebody else. But this is exactly what God has done for us. And so, what worship comes from is that worship comes from the fact that God has saved us when we didn't deserve it, and not. Not only did we not deserve it, but we we rebelled against Him, we turned against Him, we sinned against Him on purpose. And God loved us so much, so therefore we worship Him. Therefore we bring Him glory. So we look at this, we look at the meaning of worship in this context, of corporately in that one area, but also as individuals. I want us to have a little bit of application to go along with it this morning. The first thing we see in all of this is commit yourself to God's Word. Commit yourself to God's Word. This is the reality, is that we're sinful, broken, fallen men and women. We're going to fall, we're going to make mistakes, and we're going we're gonna to be horrible humans at times. Because that's who we are at the heart of us. But what we're called to do is devote ourselves to, to God so that He can change our hearts. So that Not that we can live a better life, but that we can live a way that brings Him glory, honor, and praise. Then the, last, the next thing is that when we look at the things that we do as a church, when we look at the worship we sing, when we look at the words we say, when we look at everything we do as a church, we must first commit ourselves to the Word of God as well. Everything we do must be based on God's Word. Then when we look at this idea of corporate worship and the idea of individual worship, the first thing is corporate worship is we need to ignore our preferences at times. And I'm talking about myself at times. You can ask Troy when we pick out songs. We normally do it about a month in advance. And I have about five go-to songs that I pick out because those are just songs I love. They're good. They're rich in theology. They're rich in God's Word. But that's my preference. It's easy to go to your preference naturally. Sometimes we need to cast off our preferences. And what we need to do is select biblical songs that are going to edify the church. And then the next thing is that not only should we pick biblical songs, but we should learn from these songs that we're singing. They should encourage us and build us up in such a way that we're going to be uh, living for Christ through all things that we do. The next thing is a simple thing when it comes to singing God's Word and praising Him. is You have to sing the song. You have to vocalize. You have to, to sing these songs. And, you know, I think about the idea that I can't, tell you, can't carry a tune in a bucket. Like, literally, if there was a tune in that little plastic container right there, I couldn't carry it. I can't sing at all. Um, you know how the parents sound on Charlie Brown? Y'all know how they sound like? That's what I sound like when I try to sing. I got a deep voice, I'm monotone, and I mumble. So I sound just like that when I try to sing. And, and so, but you still got to glorify and sing God and praise God, no matter if you sing good or you sound like an angel. Your, your job is to sing and praise God. So sing. 
I don't care if you don't think you sound bad. I don't care if you think you sound like the best singer in the church or if you think you sound like the worst one. Praise and glorify God and when we gather together and stand and sing in corporate worship. The next thing is the individual worship. Worship God in your words. Um, be mindful of them. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in this, but be mindful of what you say. Uh, think back after your day ends and ask yourself, what words did I say that were not edifying and, and, and glorifying God in that moment? Think of your deeds. Think of the way you work, the way you do things. Bring glory to God in your deeds as well. Um, the next thing is, this is because God saved you. You do all of this. You sing praises to God. You live for God. You do all of that because God saved you, not because you are earning your salvation, but I also want you to know that you do it in the strength of God. You do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You don't do it by Jamie's power or Troy's power or James's power. You do it in the power of God because I am sinful, broken, fallen, and I make mistakes, and I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I can't break my own chains, as the song said this morning. But what I can do is I can trust in God to do what He's going to do in my life. As the band comes, I want to end with a few reflections. Um, but this morning, as we look at these applications, I've said a lot of them, I know. Uh, I normally don't say that many. But maybe something stood out to you in your own life. Maybe it's something you need to work on. But the reflection I want to end with is that this right here is that what Scripture is clear is that we are to worship God through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And what even more clear is that the gospel and the word of God must be the center of what we sing. This must be what makes our decision and how we sing it. And what's so important about that is that some songs you're not going to go know. But listen to the song. Let it edify and let it teach you. But then also everything that we do in this life should bring glory and honor and praise to God. Um, there's a different people that say this. There's a thing called catechisms. You may not know much about them, but it's really what the church believes. And there's one called the Baptist catechism. It's what the Baptist church believes. And the thing common in all catechisms is when they ask what man's chief end is, it is to glorify God. That's our desire. That's what God has created us for, is to bring Him glory, honor, and praise. And so this morning, is we're going to stand and sing... How Deep the Father's Love. Um, you may know that song. You may not know that song. Well, respond however God may have you respond. Stand. Let's worship God together. If you worship God by sitting, sit. If you worship God by standing, stand. If you want to pray, pray. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The father turns his face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, by sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there 
until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should, why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom.